we've got to stay top of mind on a consistent basis in a very valuable way to our investors. So it's not just, you know, we don't beat our chest and say, look at me now. We say, here's an interview with someone who's also accredited investor. And here's their story. Here are some challenges they've come across, thought you might find it interesting. And let me mail this out to you via snail mail. That's something that stands out and breaks through. And, and we are staying top of mind in a relevant way. This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Joe Fairless. Joe is an apartment syndicator and host of the daily podcast, The Best Ever Show. He's hosted conferences, wrote one of the best books about apartment syndications, and has interviewed more real estate investors than anyone else in the world. Today, he's going to give us tips on how we can exponentially grow our business and how to stay top of mind. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to the show and leave a review. We release episodes every Wednesday and Sunday. Enjoy. Go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are and how you got into real estate investing. Uh, my name is Joe Fairless. Uh, that who I am is I am focused on contribution and how I got into real estate investing is uh, I, I read a book, Investing for Dummies. And then from that book, I read that investing in real estate was a way I could make money. I bought my first house in uh, October of 2009 and then continued to scale up from there. Awesome. And before we go forward, I want to say, first of all, your book right here, The Best Ever Apartment Syndication Book, is the reason why I even started my podcast in the first place. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear that. Most importantly, a bunch of people who are listening, they're glad that you started it because they're listening and you're adding value to their life. So it's a good ripple effect. And you asked who I am, and that's why I said I'm focused on contribution uh, first and foremost. And I'm, I'm glad that that's... Uh, coming to fruition. Yeah. I was wondering how long did it take you to write that book? Because it is very thick. It is very thick. Uh, the book itself, one year, the information from the book, uh, gathering the research, getting the documents together, getting the thoughts consolidated, uh, probably two and a half to three years. Oh, very nice. So I was wondering, what are you currently doing in real estate investing? Buying apartment communities. So how are you going about doing that? Uh, we, so I say we, I'm the co-founder of Ashcroft Capital, and we buy a stabilized cash-filling apartment communities that have value-add components to them. Uh, so we will purchase a property that's making money currently, but we can enhance the NOI primarily through interior renovations where we go in, make the apartment units a, a nicer place to live and a nicer living experience. And then we increase the rent as a result of that, uh, which increases the value through forced appreciation. And then uh, we end up selling, usually our projected uh, hold periods, five years. Sometimes we sell a little bit sooner, depending on you know if it makes financial sense to um, make the money earlier uh, based on what type of offers were that we're, that we're getting. And we have a third-party property management company that we work with. Uh, we've got about $600 million worth of apartment communities. We have two property management companies we work with. One is in Dallas, uh, and they're called CityGate, and the other is in 
Florida. They're called ZRS Management. And uh, so he said, how do I go about doing that? Well, it's, it's a team and it's uh, on the ground. We've got our third-party property management teams. And then within my company, Ashcroft Capital, we have uh, different team members who focus on different things like a director of acquisitions, uh, asset management, point person, uh, Frank, my business partner, he is incredibly gifted at asset management and acquisition. So he foc- he, he oversees uh, those teams. Um, and so we've, it's a collective effort. Nice. Can you tell us the story of how you started Ashcroft Capital? Frank, my business partner, and I were introduced through a mutual friend. And Frank had a Frank was working as a W two employee for a company that does what we do. There, he was overseeing about five hundred million dollars worth of apartment communities across the country. But he wanted to venture out and do his own thing, start his own company, and he had identified a deal in Houston, Texas, and uh, he had identified it, but he didn't have the capital. So my mutual friend connected us and. They said, you know, Joe might be able to bring bring the capital together. And uh, at first, I was focused on other opportunities. So I actually uh, attempted to connect them to some people who I knew uh, who could bring the capital uh, as a partner with him. And they turned him down. <laughs> they said, thanks, but no thanks. Doesn't meet the underwriting that we look for. Uh, and eventually it came back to me and he's like, Oh, thanks for the intros, but nothing panned out. And I didn't know why, because it looked like a good deal to me. So I was like, you know what, let's, let's do this thing. I I'll, uh, I'll partner up with you. Let's uh, buy this deal together. So we ended up buying the deal for 14.1 million. Uh, We put in about 2 million. So all in a 16.1 it appraised for $21.6 million 15 months after we purchased it. So great opportunity wow. for investors and great opportunity for us, the general partners. And, uh, you know, we decided that it made sense for us to continue to partner up. And uh, since then, we've, we've partnered up on, uh, I think we're going on our 23rd and 24th acquisition in later this month. And so, you know, we, we've, we've had a successful, successful time and, you know, there have been some, some challenges obviously along the way, but it's important as a, as a entrepreneur who is partnering up with another entrepreneur to make sure that we have alignment of, of interests and, and values, but then also that we complement each other really well. And that's what I found with him and he's found with me where we have very specific skill sets and we're pretty darn good at what we do. And the other person's pretty darn good at what they do. And, and so uh, it's gone regardless of whatever challenges come up, we've, we've navigated them pretty well and it, it, things, things are going pretty good. Oh, congratulations. So how long have you guys been in this partnership? Four years. Nice. Was this $14 million apartment your first one or have you had experience before that? Experience before that, I bought a another apartment community before I met Frank, and then before that, I bought uh, four single-family homes uh, while living in New York City. But I was buying them in Dallas, Fort Worth, and that's that's how I got started. When I went to your conference back in February, by the way, my favorite conference so far. It's truly, truly amazing. How come? How come? Honestly, your quality of your guests are just 
top notch. Like the questions they ask and their backgrounds and their experience. So you can learn so much from just everyone around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for that. And I, I love hosting it with Ben. He's uh, the co-host of the conference with me because I love meeting people like you and, and other investors who are there because it's, it is a higher quality caliber of investor. And I'm glad that that's evident for other people to attend too. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, for everyone listening, go to the best ever conference in February, right? Next year? You know what? This year might be in March, but if you go to besteverconference.com, you'll, you'll see. Yeah, definitely check it out. But during your conference, during your talk, you were showing about how you grew Ashcroft Capital from like 90 million to 300 million, now to 500 and even 600 now. What did you do to grow it so fast? Uh, it goes back to focusing on, well, first identifying what your unique skill set is and then doubling down and tripling down on that and then bringing on the right people or partnering up with the right people to focus on their strengths. So, you know, Frank, he's a, he's an engineer major and he created our underwriting spreadsheet, which calling it a spreadsheet does not do it justice. I mean, this thing is robust. He created it from scratch and it's many tabs and it's a lot of formulas and he's just a wizard at that stuff. I know conceptually what we're looking for. And I know I, I can go certain depth level in analysis, but then after that, uh, it's not my skill set. It is his. And when he is focused on what he is incredibly talented at and what he's gifted at, uh, and then I'm focused on what I'm talented at, then we're able to stay in our lanes while overlapping and, you know, addressing things that that do overlap but for the most part staying in our lanes and both putting our head down and focusing on what we can do really well and so when you have a team that you invest in that's doing that then it's likely that they're going to continue to perform because they've got the right people doing the right things that they should be doing. So in your case, your role is probably the like public outreach and raising funds for the deals? Yeah, there are, there are three components to any deal. Uh, well, three components to our business, really. Um, the money, the deal, and the execution. And you know, the book that you mentioned earlier, my syndication book, it's got four parts because you also have the experience money, deals, execution, experience. But we've got the experience. So really, it's um, once you have the experience box checked, then it's money, deal, and execution. So uh, Frank is the uh, execution uh, part and also oversees the deal part. With So we have team members, full-time staff members, Scott Lebenhart, he's our director of acquisitions, and then Alec, he oversees the asset management. So Frank oversees them. And then, so that's the deal. That's the execution part. And then the money part, I take care of. And uh, you know, my focus is on continuing to build long-term relationships with investors, continuing to um, help with asset management and communicate the progress of deals to our investors and making sure that we're meeting expectations at minimum 
you know, preserving capital and then, um, you know, best case scenario, exceeding expectations. Great. Can you talk about some of the strategies that you've been doing for maintaining those investor relationships? Yeah, it's uh, very intentional. And uh, what I suggest is having what I call an accredited investor engagement plan. And basically, it's a spreadsheet with uh, tabs that have daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annually. And then put on each of those tabs what you're committing to doing on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annually basis to stay top of mind and in, in, in a way that adds value to your investors. And so at this point, you know, I've got a, a marketing team that I oversee. Uh, so I'm not physically doing all this stuff I'm about to say, but daily we've got, you know, posting on bigger pockets, uh, releasing a podcast episode, uh, writing a blog post uh, about the podcast episode or, or something else, um, you know, interacting on, in our Facebook communities. And those are examples of daily. Weekly would be doing a new, an, an email newsletter, recapping the stuff that we did during the week. Monthly, an example would be, uh, I actually have a, a newsletter that I mail out, so snail mail, out to all of my investors, uh, and it profiles one of the Ashcroft investors. It, we interview them, and then we also uh, mention some other relevant things that are taking place, uh, whether it's industry-wise or whether it's you know, something other, some other book that someone wrote that could be interesting, whatever it is. And that gets mailed out. Uh, so not only are we staying top of mind in a valuable way, on a regular basis, but we're doing it in through different mediums. We're doing it electronically through email. We're doing it audio through podcasts. We're doing it uh, visual through YouTube. We're doing it um, so you can touch and feel uh, with the snail mail newsletter. And that's really important to be intentional about the frequency, but then also the, um, the method in which it's received. And I can tell you, that this idea came from a book I read called Ninja Selling by Larry Kindle. And in that book, he writes to a real estate agents. I am not a real estate agent, but this advice is still applicable. And I, I took it and I ran with it because what he said, what really resonated with me is that think if think of an example or, or just pretend you, you want to sell your home. Let's go with this. You want to sell your house. You want to sell your primary residence. You engage an agent and that agent is wonderful. Absolutely blows your socks off. Wonderful. Sells your house for 10% more than what you thought you could sell it for. And he or she finds you a house that uh, you is just your dream home, your dream home. Well, Great experience, wonderful experience. You love them. You know, everyone moves five to seven years. So that dream home, eh, the dream has shifted a little bit. So now fast forward five to seven years, it's time for you to sell that quote unquote dream home and then go buy another dream home. Well, over over those five years, it is highly likely that if the real estate agent who just did a phenomenal job did not stay top of mind with that couple over those five years, 
and especially during the time in which the couple was looking to find an agent to hire, then that couple is just as likely to go with someone they know uh, who they just recently met, someone in their neighborhood who's also selling homes. There isn't much that the original agent who did a phenomenal job is not is no longer top of mind, even though they did everything right and they just nailed it. Instead, what's important, especially for real estate agents, is to maintain the uh, exposure or, or maintain presence top of mind with their potential clients. So the same concept applies to when you're continuing to grow your company by bringing in private investors. We've got to stay top of mind on a consistent basis in a very valuable way to our investors. So it's not just, you know, we don't beat our chest and say, look at me now. We say, here's an interview with someone who's also accredited investor. And here's their story. Here are some challenges they've come across. Thought you might find it interesting. And let me mail this out to you via snail mail. That's something that stands out and breaks through. And, and we are staying top of mind in a relevant way. Uh, so I took the concept from that book that I read and I simply applied it to what we do. Amazing. And it's so smart too, because you're adding value, but you're also staying top of mind every time you're doing that. Yep. So let's talk about your podcast. I mean, that's probably the reason why you're so famous right now is because you have a daily podcast. You've been doing it every single day since 2014. When you first started your podcast, from what I recall, you weren't really doing real estate investments on this scale, like big apartment syndications. So how long did it take for doing those daily podcasts until you actually had some traction and then things started opening up for you? Well, I, I had four single family homes and one apartment community, I believe, by the time I started the podcast. You know, I had like six, six million, seven million dollars worth of real estate uh, that I, the apartment community was around six and a half. And then my single family homes were like five, four, well, like 400,000, 500,000, somewhere around there. Oh, very nice. Yes. So, but, but to answer your question about when, when was a tipping point for when I started getting more traction and, and saw that people outside of my immediate family were actually listening to the podcast. I would say, and when did it lead to business results? I'd say, um, I, I don't know the exact point in time, but I can tell you that I did the podcast daily for two months when I started because I wanted to see if it was an effective use of my time or not and if I could attract a sponsor for the podcast so that it, the, the editing would be paid by the sponsor uh, so that the you know, podcast wouldn't cost me money it would just be a, a, a decent amount of my time at the beginning. And I was able to attract a sponsor on the podcast who someone I interviewed and Lucas Hall is his name. And he was working at cozy.co at the time. And they have since bought been bought by, I believe CoStar. Uh, that's fairly recent, but they, they were my first sponsor on the podcast is like 2000 bucks or 2,500 or something. Now it's close to $9,000 a month. To, to sponsor it. And that gave me the ability to, or the confidence really to uh, continue the podcast and see how, how it would shake out um, if I continued it. And then as I, as it grew, I just kept taking pieces of responsibility and delegating it to others where now 
you know, when I started, I was finding the guests, interviewing them, editing the show notes myself. I taught myself Audacity, a software program for editing, taught myself all that, um, you know, spliced in stuff and uh, promoted it on social media, everything. Now, all I do is on Thursdays, I, I interview nine people. And so it's back to back to back, 30 minute break, back to back to back, 30 minute break, back to back to back. And then that's, that's my Thursday. And then magic happens for everything else on the podcast. I've got a team of editors and social media people and all that other stuff. I dedicate four and a half hours or so uh, every week on for the podcast. I'm able to do other things the rest of the week. And, you know, that's really the important part of it because we've got uh, you know, a valuable portfolio and the investor relations are our number one priority. So I dedicate my other time towards that. And for my last question for you, you've interviewed over a thousand people so far. What are some of the key lessons learned that you've taken away from all that advice? I've definitely interviewed more real estate investors than anyone else in the entire world because I've interviewed like 1,500, over 1,500 real estate investors. No one else in the world, at least that I'm aware of, can say that. And yeah, I learned, I've learned some things. Number one is when you have money or when you can attract money, then deals find you. And so that's why I put in my book, you know, the best ever apartment syndication book I mentioned, build your network, build a thought leadership platform first, start uh, interviewing people first. That way you can start attracting money. And then by attracting money, you become very valuable to people who have deals and it's not their, their specialty. And then you can partner up yep. with them and you can do you know what yep. you want to do. That's amazing advice. Thank you so much for being on the show today. How can people get in contact with you? If you want a free apartment investing guide, it's all the, a bunch of resources for how to invest in apartment communities or not how to, but a different resources online and online and offline that will be beneficial to you, like websites to go to and a bunch of other stuff. You can email info at joefairless.com and ask for the apartment resources guide. And uh, then, you know, you can listen to the podcast, best real estate investing advice ever. Awesome. Thanks again for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. Okay. Take care. Here are some of the key takeaways I got from speaking to Joe. To create a successful partnership, you need to find someone with complementary skills. Create an accreditor investor engagement plan and be intentional about it. Have a plan on how to stay top of mind on a daily, monthly, and quarterly basis. And finally, when you have money or when you can attract money, deals find you. Build your network and thought leadership platform first. Hope you all learned a lot. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It'll take less than a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at seanpanrealty at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N-P-A-N-R-E-A-L-T-Y at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great day.